Hey everybody, welcome to episode 64 of Two Views Movies Podcast. What's up everybody, welcome back to Two Views Movies Podcast, coming to you from Kansas City, Missouri. We are a spoiler-filled podcast by two guys who love watching movies almost as much as we love arguing about them. My name is Garrett. I am Carson. And if you listen to our October preview, you would know that this movie that we're about ready to talk about, um, we were both equally hyped for. Yes, very anticipated. And we kept ratcheting up each other's hype <laughs> because <laughs> we had a, a floor and a ceiling conversation and I was not going to be outdone on my ceiling. So I kept raising mine. We love trailer guys. <laughs> so I, I, I blame you for uh, what's about to happen. What? Yeah. If you don't know. Yeah. So bad times at the El Royale had uh, maybe I, I'm, I'm throwing this out there without having even remotely thought about it, but maybe trailer of the year. That amazing trailer for sure. I mean, yeah, the trailer was just trailer stupid. one. Trailer one, yes, agreed. I purposefully did not watch any of the other trailers once they were released. I think I accidentally started trailer two one time because I was looking for the music at the end of trailer one to show somebody at work. So like, oh, you have to watch this because she runs out of the El Royale and the lights are glowing on their right. names, and then this, oh yeah. So I, I loved it, but I immediately put this on my watch list. Like trailer, I, I one of my most anticipated movies of the year. Damn it. Damn it. <laughs> so if you don't know... So, and so, did, there, so there was a lot of hype coming yes. in for, from our end. Right. So I'm assuming... Expectations you, <laughs> are very high. Too high. I'm assuming if you're listening to this, you probably at least saw the movie. Or Hopefully. probably saw the movie and at least saw the trailer. Um, but if you don't know, the story is seven strangers, each with a secret to bury, meet at Lake Tahoe's El Royale, a rundown hotel with a dark past in 1969. Over the course of one fateful night, everyone will have a last shot at redemption. Love the description. Directed by Drew Goddard, who did Cabin in the Woods, but he has done a lot of writing. I think he wrote for Buffy and Lost, and he wrote for Cloverfield, World War Z, and The Martian. And it's got a lot of people. Jeff Bridges, Cynthia, I think it's Erevo, who I have not seen in anything until this, but she's also in Widows, which comes out next month. Dakota Johnson, who's from the Fifty Shades movies. John Hamm, who's fantastic in everything. Chris Hemsworth, uh, the Thor Hemsworth, not the other one. Lewis Pullman, Bill Pullman's son. Yes. And then I don't know if you caught this, but Nick Offerman is yeah. in this movie. <laughs> yeah. I thought it looked like him in the beginning, and then uh, I, I saw the credits, and I was like, okay. Okay, yeah. see, I, I thought it looked like him in the beginning, and then, um, so I was kind of looking for it when they did the flashback to Jeff Bridges and it him. It didn't look like him then. Uh, I could tell. Okay, and I could tell in his voice because I was. But I was he shaved his. He didn't have a beard and his stubble, and he had a mask over. Yeah, so yeah. he's got really big eye, like Stewie Griffin eyes. So <laughs> I could kind of see between the eyes and the voice that it was him. So this movie had so much potential, and even and, and I, I, I'm talking like I hated it. I didn't hate it. It just did not meet expectations. No, which, it, which honestly, it was very hard to to get to. Yeah, I think the thing that frustrates me the most about this movie is. Clearly, the elements from the trailer are still in the movie, and I feel like all the elements are good elements, but it's just like everything that they surrounded them with or tried to tie them to was just flimsy or long or boring. 
so we had we did just did a Star is Born podcast. Yeah. And we both said the first act was amazing. Yeah. That's where I was with this movie as well. The first act I thought was phenomenal and it hooked me and I was yeah. I was really excited where they were gonna go with that. It was a little long but it was a good setup. So I had up until uh she gets to the car and Jeff Bridges gets in the car with her, which we've seen in the trailer. Oh shoot, that's that's beyond first act. That's midpoint to close to the end of the second act. No way. No. If it is, and then I'll extend it to to that point. Yeah, because they bounce around a lot, so it's hard to kind of keep it. They do in perspective but in that point. So when they shoot John Hamm, and, yeah, and I'm jump, jumping ahead, but when they shoot John Hamm. I am so invested in this movie. I'm like, I love John Hamm, but that's awesome that they just boom, he he's gone. You know, yeah. and, and I'm like, okay, I'm in. And that was right after she hit Jeff Bridges over the head with the bottle. Right. I'm like, what is going on with her? You know, because we think we know her, but it's like, what is she hiding? What's her secret? Why why is she at this hotel? Because at that point we've already been shown at least that I mean we already know Jeff Bridges is not a priest because they gave that to us in the trailer. Right. And we've already been shown that John Hamm is an FBI agent. Correct. So we already kind of know that these people are kind of not who they say they are. Right. Yeah. And so she bashes him over the head. And and so I, I'm like reeling of what's her backstory? Why why is she here? What's her bad, her bad thing? Yeah. I, I feel like everybody has a bad thing that they're hiding. And not her. No. And when, when they reveal that in the car, not her, it really sucked me out of the movie. Yeah. Of she's, she's, and even though they show the flashback, they can't see Jeff Bridges. She can't see Jeff Bridges pouring something into her glass. So that still didn't even make sense of why she did that. Yeah. She's cold cocked a priest that she thinks is off. Yeah. And, and so that, that did, that was a really big disconnect. And I really wanted her to have a, a bad thing, like why she was there other than, you know, it was just cheap. My only was guess singer. was that she was suspicious of him from the beginning. Which which is fine. Which and she so should have been. When he had his back turned, that was her chance to make a run for it and get him. I uh, see, and that that was just a, a complete letdown for me when I found out that she was just gonna be the innocent in the movie. Yeah. And that Well, she's kinda of, Yeah. I mean the Miles, the the what do we want to call him? Hotel manager, Bellhop. I mean bellhop, he's yeah. he's Sort of innocent, I guess. Well, but we, we don't see. We yeah, know. you don't get that until way later. Yeah, and yeah. and that's uh. So he's got a secret. Everybody has a secret except for her, right? Which I didn't. I wanted everybody to not have a secret, or everybody to have a secret, sure. and everybody be bad in one way or another. And and then we had talked about how are they going to intertwine them all, and I didn't want them necessarily intertwined. Like, I, I didn't want all their stories. Oh, oh, we're all here because of the same thing. I, yeah. I, I really didn't want that. Uh, I just wanted they happened to be there for all different reasons, but then something worse happened there. Right. You know, kind of thing. And so that's that's where I thought we were going, and then it, it didn't. I didn't want them necessarily intertwined, but I thought there would be something that would be a cohesive point to everything i guess like and that's where i felt like i thought maybe when they revealed that john ham was fbi that well they may like they may not all know each other but he may be the one that 
um, knows some of them, or maybe he's part of the reason why at least some of them are there. Yeah. Um, like I, I think I called this in the preview, like a sinister clue is what I kept thinking this is. And it has feelings of that, but you're right. I didn't want to get it to where like everybody knows everybody kind of thing, but I've met you before. Yeah, not, don't that's don't the, you look yeah, familiar? That's not what I wanted, but I almost wanted it to be like John Hamm to be like, um, like maybe he kind of knew who Jeff Bridges was because Jeff Bridges had robbed a bank or whatever, and then he clearly knew what the hotel was because it had film, and then maybe he would be aware of like who Chris Hemsworth was when he shows up, you know, kind of thing, so that John Hamm would be kind of the the Le- glue the link, that brings yeah. everything together, and maybe not. Maybe the characters never realize that, but the audience is kind of knowing, like, okay, that's what's that's what's going on here. Um, I, I didn't have a problem with John Hamm dying at, at all. I, I loved it. I was so – right at that point, right. I, I was in. But the only thing that bothered me was the FBI angle just dies with him, which I just – I felt like was kind of odd because, like, he, he – and it's Hoover's FBI, which was really – a shady FBI and gets a lot mm-hmm. of um, blackmail material. So it all makes sense that Hoover would somehow be involved with the El Royale. Cause we find out that, you know, they're recording films of people and using it for blackmail or whatever, but he, he reports back to the FBI and they say, you know, do not interfere, do not do anything. And I just, there's so many questions about some like bigger entity, like the manager of the hotel, the management, management that they say that's out yeah. of Pennsylvania. That they send all this stuff through. Yeah. yeah. There's so many things where it seems like there's something overarching there, but then the movie just nope. doesn't exist. do anything with it. And, and I guess I can kind of be okay with the idea that let's just make this about the seven strangers who just show up and mm-hmm. stuff goes down. Uh, very hateful eight kind of thing. But I feel like this needed something a bit more. It felt like to me that it had good ideas and it started to build them up, but instead of like getting the momentum going and, and really like ending on some kind of, it didn't have to be a twist, but even just something bigger than what we were seeing, it didn't do that. It just kind of kept plodding along at like the same 10, 15 mile, you know, not 10, 15, but like 10, 15 mile per hour, you know, cruise control instead of like, okay, we were at 15 miles an hour at the end of act one, now we're at 30 and now we're hitting the gas at 90 at the end. It never ramped up like that. No, I agree. I agree. And I, and I don't know if that was the movie or if that was the wind taken out of my sails when I found out that she, she is who she's supposed to be. No, I think it's the movie. And cause I don't remember what scene happens right after that. Uh, I don't, do they go back? They to cut the, to something else right yeah. after she hits her. Cause they, and it's, well, right after she hits him, uh, but I'm talking yeah. about in the car when they both decide to get the money together. And so they go get the money together, which is a good scene of her her singing and him. Yeah. They're just assuming somebody's watching. Right. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, which there happened to be, you know. And then, uh, um, but whatever happens after that, I guess it's maybe it's calling, maybe it's a flashback of the the girls, the girls and Thor. It could be. And so that, that kind of just took away from the rest of which I liked him as that character. Yeah. I just thought that was done weird. Yeah. Like I, I felt like he was on, he was close to something great, but there was something holding him back. And I don't know whether it was the movie. I, I just, I guess what I feel like is if I think, it, I think it was the end of how they treated him at the end. I, I think so. But it's like, it was almost like he couldn't go full crazy. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I feel like that character in the hands of, and we're going to talk about how very Tarantino-ish this movie is, but I feel like if 
that role had been with Quentin Tarantino, we'd be looking at Chris Hemsworth today being like, oh, that is the best non-Thor Chris Hemsworth role we've ever seen. And I feel like he was like kind of on the verge of doing that, but just could not quite get over the hump of really making that role something special. You know what I really thought was going to happen, which had me on the edge of my seat, which I thought was really going to save it at the end. She there's a close up on her as she's singing her that song tied to the chair, mm-hmm. and there are two long high notes mm-hmm. that that she's hitting at the end. And I thought he was going to shoot her in the middle right. of the high, not, not at the too. end, it, yeah, because it's just showing her like interrupt the high, just shoot her right there, and and because what do you say after that? I've heard better, yeah. yeah. And so he stops her and said, "I've heard better." But if he would have shot her right there, yeah. Like that would have changed because they weren't afraid to kill main people. No, because you know, they killed uh, John Hamm and then Dakota, and then uh, and then r- right there they just offed her. Like you would have thought, you know, again she's the innocent, she's the one that's yeah that's that's getting free, and, and she did. But I was like, I was like, oh gosh, he's gonna shoot her, he's gonna shoot her, he's gonna shoot her, <laughs> right? You know, because she's clearly the one that you're kind of rooting for throughout. Yeah, you know, and every time she sings, like she's a really good singer, you know, and. You think that it's going to go on like, oh, she is going to be stopped right mid note. Yeah. And it didn't. <laughs> yeah. The ending. I don't know, man. I, the, the ending, I didn't like anything they did with Chris. Hem- the idea of Chris Hemsworth was better than what it was on screen. I agree. Um, and the ending felt very, I don't know. Generic. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, oh, black and red on the roulette table to see who lives. It's kind of like. Yeah, you couldn't come up with something better. Like you have a really, really cool premise for a movie. That's a, that's what gets me so much about this movie. I just feel like it had nuggets of great ideas, like the the two way mirrors, this hotel where people are spied on, and John Hamm's a vacuum salesman who's actually an FBI agent. Everybody's got these like dualities, in it. and Jeff Bridges was actually fantastic in this movie. Um, but it's it's just like when they wrote to fill in everything else in between all those, like they just couldn't come up with much and didn't have anything to really expand on. Well, see, even the, even if you keep the ending as it is and just rearrange the parts, it's yeah. so much better. So you had, uh, her lying on the ground and that, and, uh, Pullman saying, you know, I can't kill anybody, you know, type of thing. And she asked him, how many people have you killed? And he said, what, 185? 123. 123? Yeah. And like that, you're like, who are these people that he killed? Right. You know, so that's where your mind's Did going. Did your mind jump to like serial killer? He's yeah. been killing people at the hotel? At the hotel, yeah. yeah. And Same so, here. But then they immediately go to his backstory and then show you that, you know, he was a war vet. Yeah. And a sniper. And they should have left you with that and then had him kill all of Thor's people. And then as he's dying, uh, confessing his sins, the 123 people was, oh, he's a sniper. That's why he was able to clean this room out. Right. You know, because as soon as you show that he's a sniper, you're like, okay, he's, yeah, I know where this movie's going. Right. You know, this is, this is done. Yep. <laughs> you no, know, you're entirely right. He, he's good. He's about to, you know, take them all out. Yeah. It's, it's over. And it's, and even like the whole, like Jeff Bridges bum rushes. Chris Hemsworth. <laughs> I mean, you know what I mean? Like that could not be any more generic. The guy tied right. up to a chair gets and somehow nobody else that's holding a gun on them can shoot them. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. it's like they just flat out 
couldn't write anything beyond like I, I tied him to a chair and I can't get him out. Yeah. How, how do I do that? Maybe right. maybe <laughs> I have a predator, you know, throw up a grenade. Right. <laughs> you know what it reminds me of though? It reminds me of that game that you and I got where you get writing prompts. Yeah. And it's like they came up with like seven good writing prompts and then we're like, hmm. Well, how do we tie this all together? And like, then they couldn't figure out how to tie them all together, right? In that way, because like, roulette for your life. Yeah, okay, yeah. Right. Let's add that. Exactly. How do we get them at the table? Let's tie them there. And then, well, and how do we get them out? I don't know. <laughs> and there's so much dialogue in this movie. It's a lot of talking. And it is I, a lot of talking. And I think where I, the, the the comparisons to Tarantino are just flat out inevitable because it feels kind of Pulp Fiction. It feels kind of Reservoir Dogs. It feels kind of Hateful Eight. Um. And Quentin does a lot of talking in his movies, a lot of dialogue. But what I think this movie fails to understand is that usually when the characters in Quentin Tarantino movies are talking, um, it's building the intensity mm-hmm. through conversation somehow. And they almost always have something really kind of quirky or unique to say. Yeah. Whereas everybody in this movie was just talking about themselves. It's like it's a bunch of character exposition. Like, I need to kind of tell you about where I came from or what I'm doing here. And, like, there were just moments where I was like, how long has this person been talking? What What do we – why do I need five minutes of you talking? Cut it out. Yeah, and I don't – so Jeff Bridges' character talking was really good. It built his character. Agreed. When he was telling about, like, how he doesn't – remember things and mm-hmm. then the whole time i'm looking at him because i know he's not a priest you know because we already knew that from the trailer is is he lying about the alzheimer's right and so is that how he's getting out of uh maybe things that she's quizzing him on yeah that he doesn't know and so i was like well that's a brilliant way of i don't remember that song because i don't remember things and i was like okay that's pretty smart but he ended up having it yeah and so <laughs> yeah. Know, i was like oh it's more sad now than, than, right than smart and so like I thought that scene was really good of them talking, you know, back and forth. Yeah. But then they again that car scene where I think you know I'm not a priest. Well, he didn't do anything that she saw to make him not a priest. Right. I mean the yeah, the drinking you, was a little out of place. The drink okay. Well But I mean Do priests not drink? I, mean, I, I don't know. I don't you know, think they're supposed, not supposed to, to get but, drunk. I mean, but Yeah. Maybe one of the Alzheimer's drinks. Yeah, I actually honestly kept waiting for him to be like an FBI agent. I don't know. I was I was hung up on the FBI stuff, but I mean, I kind of knew that was implausible because like, well, they showed him in jail, and that would be really hard to fill that in. But the thing that kind of got me about Jeff Bridges was Chris Hemsworth seems to know that he's not a preacher. You know what I mean? Like he he really harps on that. He's yeah. like because he's trying to get him to tell the boy he's not really. But like, I guess it's just intuition. But it was, it was just kind of stood out to me like. Okay, he's really adamant that Jeff Bridges is not a preacher, and how or why? I mean, and I, I guess the way the movie maybe like tangently tries to explain it is that uh, Cynthia Erivo, I hope that's how you say her name, like she says that um, you know she's able. Well, isn't that what she says? Maybe she says that about Jeff Bridges or Chris Hemsworth or both. Is that basically she said I know a BSer when I see one? Yeah, because I've been around it all my life. Right, and I I know she says it about Chris Hemsworth. I don't remember, I, and maybe we're just supposed to assume that that's how she understood that Jeff Bridges was a liar too. But uh, but enough to hit him with a bottle, and, yeah, and practically kill him. But I was just kind of confused as to why Chris Hemsworth was so adamant that <laughs> this guy that he's never met, who is well, he, he did say carrying a bag of money, you know, a duffel well, bag okay. full of money. That's true. You know, I've never seen him. You know. And, and maybe that yeah. was why he made that that leap, but it, it was uh, it was done. 
again, it had all the right. It had the right cast. Yeah, it had the right backstories. Almost kind of. I mean, the whole the setup. I mean, not yeah. necessarily the no, characters. Right. It had it had so much right there. Yeah, it, right it, there. It's it's honestly it's hard. It was hard for me to rate this movie because um, there's so much wasted potential. So I I had to really <laughs> set aside like, okay, how much of this movie did I just not like or didn't think was made well versus I'm just irritated at like it's even though what, this it's movie, not yeah, what I would have done. Well, yeah. yeah, and even when the credits rolled, like you had it there. And I mean, I'm not an expert filmmaker by any means, but it's just like, no? how, how could you watch that? It's almost like two hour, two and a half hours and think that that's the best you could do with that. Uh, so, so frustrating. Yeah. And it, the, the fact that you even said that when they were in the car was halfway through the movie shows how not only how good the first half was then. And then how slow the second yeah. half was. I mean, it's, it's, it's all a, set up and no payoff. And so if. Yeah, that means I went through by really fast because I was really invested in it. And <laughs> then the yeah. second half drug to make it feel like it was the first third. But it yeah. was, uh, uh, I, I sat there and I, and I loved it. And I loved it where my mind was going of how do, how do I figure this out before the movie tells me? You know, cause you, you try to do that with, with these types yeah. of movies. And, and it's like, uh, they just kind of gave it to us all. Yeah. You know, that's pretty, pretty I, lame. And I think the thing is just that, it could have done, I mean, it needed to cut 20 minutes at least, regardless of whether it made any changes to the movie. Like, there's a little too much singing. I mean, she's a good singer, but there was a couple times you're like, oh, we're singing again? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they could have shaved time there. I thought it was fine. Uh, I liked the songs that she sang. Oh, I and, did too. And, and I thought, yeah, like you said, she she was good at it. Um, I thought they were setting it up for her to get shot during while she sang. Yeah. So that's where... I was like, oh, here's my payoff. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, so it, it almost, that scene almost brought me back in, yeah. you know, from, from where it pulled me back out of like, like, oh, just right there in the middle of that note to, to end it so abruptly in the middle <laughs> yeah. of that note would have been gold. Um, the stuff with Hemsworth and the, the kind of the cult following and the two girls that just wasn't done very well. No, like I, the only one that I think, the only two that I think were done that I probably wouldn't change a lot with was Ham and Bridges. I think those were their two core characters, and I think they got a lot about them right. And I think you could ch- keep them the same and change enough about the rest of the movie to to come up with a good movie. But yeah, well, even uh, Dakota, I found believable. Yeah, she was. Uh, belie- it just what I, I didn't find her, them interesting. But, but her sister, I didn't buy it. And I yeah. know that there's people that are like yeah. that and 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 dive in. I just didn't buy it. I didn't believe it that she would be that way i think it's partially because you're just not given enough i mean hemsworth doesn't show up till maybe the beginning of the third act late second when they give that back it just yeah you're right it's it's hard to believe it when it's just done so quickly you just have to take for granted that he's a charles manson type leader and she's gonna follow him yeah and they, and they only give you that with uh oh a little news clip of somebody stabbed and then they show you her stabbing somebody and how irrelevant was it for them to show that news clip of that murder and then flashback to her holding the knife i mean you could the, the, the you could delete that, that yeah and the only thing that you're really given from that is how devoted she is to him and what he's doing yeah so the but, only reason you're setting that up is so that you can believe it when she stabs miles i guess so and it's more of a i think they could have just had her in love with him yeah not, not even cultish sure you know and just I like the cultish angle for Chris Hemsworth right. to explore, but they didn't do that really enough either. Yeah. And it's, 
I don't know. Like the fact that he had like henchmen and stuff felt too generic. Like I can get that. Like if this guy is a psycho and whatever. And I know again, Charles Manson, who's pretty much who they're basing this off of, right. had people kill for him. But I don't know. There's it, it something. Turned, there. it, it turned to almost generic bad guy. Yeah. With here's my. Uh, my monologue, and yeah. here are my guys holding the guns on you that we all know are gonna all gonna die. Whether yep. it's the FBI that kicks down the door, <laughs> yeah. or you know something's gonna happen here, uh, those guys don't matter. Yeah, <laughs> you know. Yeah, and it just, it kind of takes takes that away. So in hindsight, I know that we both agree the trailer is awesome. Yes, um, I know you already mentioned this, and I agree with you now. Like I wish they hadn't said the obviously you're not a priest or whatever that should not have been in the trailer. Right, and. I almost think I would delete the two-way mirrors out of the trailer. Really? Yeah. I mean, I, I, again, I'm, try, I'm, trying, again, to, I'm trying, a, trying to even picture them in the trailer. Well, because he, you see the scene in the trailer where she's singing, and John Hams on the other side of the mirror, he's watching her sing. Okay. Yeah. And then uh, Jeff Bridges, are you watching me? Yeah. yeah. So I. No, but again, I, I, it, I like I like that because that's what brought me in. I know, and that's what I'm trying to get. At. Like, there's there's a weird. And all that was first half of the first, right? In which th- good trailer guy, you right? Know, you don't give away the end of the movie. Uh, again, probably the same trailer guy as Star is Born. Yeah, because it just it just kind of <laughs> it just kind of worked. That yeah. they did a really good job and they they front loaded it all, which right. is what you should do. Um, yeah, no, you don't want to give away any of the ending and stuff. Right, but really. I'm just saying that like I I feel like there's enough visuals because um, I I feel like the movie the the set design and the cinematography is really good, and I think. I think you could have deleted the two-way mirrors from the trailer and still had enough to sell people to go see the movie, and then that just would have added even more to it. Now, it's neither here nor there because the way they went on with everything else was still kind of lame, but I I feel like, especially in a movie like this, uh, the less you can give people in the trailer, the better. But I I do acknowledge that there's a line to where you got to get the butts in the seat in the first place. Right. And so... But also, sorry, going back to the the mirrors back there. But the the film, yeah, that's kind of the motivating factor for some people. It reminds me of. exactly of the briefcase from Pulp Fiction. Okay, you know what I mean. We don't know what's in <laughs> you it. You don't know what it is. But we know people but are after it. Yeah, it's motivating to go around. And, yeah. yeah, yeah. So I assumed, based on what they said, was JFK, and then. Uh, after that, you mentioned the timing. And yeah. Like, I didn't know what year we were in or right. even think about that. I just, because it wasn't a main part of the movie other than no. somebody's on this tape doing something he shouldn't have been. And that's generally JFK. <laughs> right. Uh, and so that's just kind of where, where I, I put it. Yeah. And then you mentioned, you know, maybe it was, it was Bobby. It would have to be Bobby or MLK most likely. But I think when I was reading online, somebody said that Miles maybe refers to the person on the film as Senator. Which wouldn't make sense for MLK, but it would make perfect sense for Bobby Kennedy. Well, I know he says he's filmed, he's has filmed senators. Yeah, and I, I don't I remember, remember the story well yeah. enough to where what he said about the one he didn't send in. Right. So, and again, like you said, it's it's not really relevant to anything in the movie. It's just kind of this thing. It doesn't even really drive anything. It only comes up in no. the sense that. Chris Hemsworth says that yeah. well, the reason Jeff Bridges is giving you half of his stolen cash is because he knows this film reel is worth way more than that right but we're not even really told why john ham is there i mean i know he says he's going out and cleaning out the fbi bugs from the hotel and so we're assuming those are all 
FBI bugs. Not all of them, because he when he reports in on the phone, he says, this place is bugged, and it's not just ours. Like, I pulled out oh, ours, right. but we pulled out other devices, too. And then he seems surprised by the mirrors down there. And then he yanks the film that's out of the camera that's in there. So uh, the reason for John Hamm being there beyond he's just supposed to pull bugs out of one room is kind of, I don't know. Maybe well, that was and, just it. And, and assuming he's looking for the other, the other missing film. I guess. I don't know. It will, but that would imply, though, that management knows about it is the fbi somehow which i was i would have been all in for because again who because sure, you're sending all this blackmail stuff to yes. the fbi and, and especially hoover who was known for doing that right. and i don't know if you caught this but it was funny that john ham worked for worked hoover's for hoover. fbi yeah. and he was a vacuum salesman i was like oh that's that's clever well done <laughs> but yeah i i didn't want it to turn into a generic fbi movie but like it just felt i, I could like you in the last scene were you sitting there waiting for the fbi to bust in through the door yeah, that that was yeah a, an option. Sure, know, it, it was a yeah. yeah. But they it, it's just so weird that they dropped that angle and like usually I'm kind of okay with movies like we talked about this with John Wick where we we, we call it world building right you, you throw these other ideas out there that you don't have to explore but it adds to like oh and how are these gold coins used and all this in the hotel but in this one it's weird. To introduce, like, you can make John Hamm an FBI agent, but, like, why do you have him call in a report, and why do you have him uh, get told, do not interfere? Because well, you could I, pick that up, like, if he just, you know, when he opens up his briefcase and he's taking out the bug equipment, I mean, you could have his FBI badge sitting there, and that tells you all you need to know. Well, I think the reason why we got John Hamm is because he disabled all the cars. <laughs> I mean, that's, right? No, okay, so, so who, that's who, who else would have said, keep them all there? You know, yeah, and there there was not a real reason. Well, to, wait, they didn't say keep them all there, did they? He said make sure nobody leaves, and that's why he pulled. He disabled all the cars. That's what the FBI. But he's not him. supposed to interfere with the kidnapping that he's seen. Yeah, but he is supposed to keep everybody there. He's supposed to keep everybody there. Now I'm even more irritated because I remember that. But then why? Because uh, they weren't supposed to leave for some reason. But they don't tell you, do they? I think it's until he completes his mission or something. I don't know. <sighs> That's just even more frustrating because I just feel like well, I, to me it made sense at the time when they were talking about it. So I'm 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 not remembering. Well, I'm wondering it. if it made sense because you thought there were answers to come, <laughs> like you thought that there was going to be more to this. Because even like at least have Ham investigating one of them. Well, he did tell her that they one was kidnapped somebody was kidnapped and there's other people in the hotel yeah but what i'm saying is like give him a better reason for being there. like like i said even if he's tailing jeff bridges as part of the robbery yeah he knows yeah. he's gonna go find that money because he just got out of jail so they're tailing him to see what he's gonna like something more than just like okay i guess i'm just pulling bugs out of a room kind of thing i yeah. don't know I don't well know. i do i did like because they built up his character as if he had a purpose and then they killed him. Agreed. And so that that felt like a great jumping off point. And I was just like, yes. Like, yeah. It's not about that. <laughs> you know, kind of, kind of thing of, of we thought that this guy was important and he's not. <laughs> right. You know? I don't mind that he got off by any means. I just wish there was. It's just I can't get past yeah. the fact that, that dropping the whole FBI line right there just feels weird. And I guess given in the context, it's all happening in one night. So the FBI is not even going to know he's missing. And I don't know. It just 
keep saying it over and over again, but there's <laughs> there had to be something more there, and it it feels like it even toyed with the idea that there could be something more there. Yeah, but they just didn't want to go with it. I think they really wanted to keep this seven random people who just walk into a bad situation. Um, the problem was they just didn't do anything fun with it. <laughs> okay, so let's just go into our questions then. So, what did you rate it? I ended up giving it a three and a half. Uh, wow, that's a little bit higher than I would have thought. Well, I was, I was dis like like we talked about. I was disappointed leaving uh, because it didn't do what I wanted it to do, but the more I thought about it, I was like, no, I really enjoyed a great deal of this, you know? And yes, it didn't turn out that way. I think if I watch it again, I'm going to like it more. Um, but it did a lot of good things and I liked, I truly liked everybody in it. Um, except for the girl, the younger girl, the younger girl. Yeah. But other, other than that, I think it hit on a lot of things that, and three and a half may be, maybe too low eventually, but I can't get over how I would have done the ending, and I think it's better. <laughs> <laughs> so, what was your favorite moment? Favorite moment was John Hamm getting shot because that I didn't I did not expect that at that time, right? And so that just it just got well. I think actually her hitting Jeff Bridges with the bottle shocked me. Yeah, and so I was on alert. And then when John Hamm got shot, it was like, wow, we're 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 now we're diving in. We're in. We know we know the players, and and we're in now. And then. I got kind of disappointed after that. Yeah. But that's that's the scene that I was truly, truly in. What's one thing you would change? Um, I would make Cynthia's character, uh, and we, we led with this, that I would give her a, a bad thing, mm-hmm. a, a secret that she's hiding. And I didn't want her to be an innocent. I didn't want her to be the the overarching crime lord of the whole thing. Sure. You know, hey, Thor, you can release me now. <laughs> yeah. Boss. You know, <laughs> right. I, I mean, that, I didn't want that. But, yeah. But I wanted her story to, to have more, more umph, more twist. Yeah. So I, that's one thing that I didn't ask you and I didn't really talk about. Um, and I've heard kind of different reactions online one way or the other. Some people think that the fact that it doesn't have a twist makes it better because these kinds of movies almost always have a twist. Um, and I've heard people say, ah, I wish it, wish it had twisted. Well, uh, where do you, where do you land on that? Well, I didn't necessarily need it to, to twist. It's okay to explain things at the end. Like, like I wanted him to move his, his backstory. So it's not really a twist, but you're just thinking, I guess that is kind of a twist. You, you're led to believe one thing and it's it's not. Um, but you kill 123 people like, oh, crap, this kid's a serial killer. And then he murders all these people, and you're like, oh, what's he going to do to the people that are alive? Right. You know, no, no, I was an army vet. Killed a bunch of people in Vietnam. Yeah. And so, like, that's kind of a twist, I guess, if by definition. But I just wanted her backstory to be better. Okay. And so, but yeah, that's kind of... Yeah, I can't decide where I would have landed on that. I, I feel like I wanted it to twist only because I felt like it did nothing. So, yeah, uh, better do something here to, to you, win win me back. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So, I mean, I, I don't think it, maybe if it had done something, I would feel like it didn't need a twist, but because it did nothing, I felt like it should have twisted. It, it needed something. Yeah. I agree. And I, I felt like it's just like we mentioned earlier, just like it was so just plodding along. And the more it plotted along, the more like, okay, are you, you're setting me up for something, right? right? And then when nothing happened, you're like, no, you, you weren't setting me up for something. So, yeah, I don't know. So, yeah. It needed to build momentum better. There was like no momentum. That's the best way I can describe this movie. Is like, oh, well, I thought it did, and then it stopped. Sure. At some point in the movie, it it like we said earlier, it you know maybe it got up to thirty five miles an hour and then just set cruise control and just decided 
all right, I'm just going to coast to the finish line instead of just going faster. Yeah. Yeah. The but I would not only give her a background, but I would have I would have shot her in her song. Yeah. You know, cuz that that would have not made up for the whole ending, but it would have been a pretty abrupt that I I was like during her song, I was I was grabbing the uh the arm <laughs> the armchair. Oh, like, see, I didn't have that as much in that one. I was thinking it, but I was white knuckling like that on the scene where she's singing in front of the mirror and Jeff Bridges is tearing up the floor because Dakota is standing on the other side of the glass with the mirror. And you already know that she's willing to pull the trigger. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I, I didn't have that in that one. Okay. Uh, theater or couch? Uh, I'd go to the theater with this one. Uh, I, I was I was entertained. I was involved. You know, I think it's worth. I mean, we're coming off of some not so great movies. You know, coming from the summer, and I think this is a good. There's good enough performances here in here to go see the movie okay. the theater. So then I'm assuming you're paying for it. Yeah, you pay for it. Popcorn or art house film? It's popcorn. Okay, Oscar or Razzie? Um, I struggled this one. Uh, I ended up landing on Oscar because uh, I think you could. Yeah. Uh, you could pick some some performances out of there. Uh, definitely not director, because I, I always put, and that's not always fair for me, because I put the story on the director, even though that's more screenplay. Right. Um, but I figure if you're a good director, you'll see what you just put out there and say, nope. <laughs> right. <laughs> I got to change that. Yeah. Um, but no, I think I think there's somebody in there that could have could have done well. Yeah. If you liked Blink, you would like this movie. Uh. I went identity. Yeah, I had completely forgotten about that movie, and then when I saw you put that, I'm like, yep, yep. I mean, they're all at uh, a motel, mm-hmm. and there's all these different people there for different reasons, and you're trying to figure out what's going on. Right. And uh, that's got more of a horror slant as opposed to like a noir slant that this one has. Yeah, it's uh, but it's sus- ver- suspense. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, that's a good one that I when, once and it's I, average. I don't remember identity being. I remember liking it. Okay. Um, and I remember wanting to watch it again. Yeah. But I never watched it again. Yeah. And so it's one of those that it just doesn't quite get me to put it in the old. It's a lot. DVD of, that's player, a lot of John Cusack movies. If we're being honest. John Cusack isn't he in Identity? He is. Yeah. I just feel like that's how. Like every time I think of a John Cusack movie, I'm like, I mean, it's on the guide. Oh. It's on the guide. I'm, I'm, I might watch it. I mean, Connor. Besides High Fidelity, I don't think I rewatch like any John Cusack movie. I like John Cusack, but I don't know why. No, I, I'm not saying I dislike him. I'm just saying his movies are always just like, even when they're good, like, yeah. I mean, do I do I find myself rewatching John Cusack movies? No, this is I probably don't. why he's not making movies anymore. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> That's true. That's a good point. No longevity. Yes. All right. So, how about you? What did you rate it? I gave it, I ended up giving it a three. I bounced around. Um, my initial reaction coming out of the theater was like two and a half. I w- but again, I, I needed to kind of let it, let the emotions come down and figure out how much was disappointment and what I wanted it to do versus how well did they execute on what they chose to do. Um, so, I ended up landing at a three. I felt that there's just too much cinematography and set design and well-crafted pieces of this movie to to give it a two and a half it's just even though story-wise i they could have done a lot better and stuff it's just it's just made too well for me to give it a two and a half but like we talked about it's somehow a movie that's too long 
and a movie that's too short at the same time. It's too long in the places it doesn't need to be, and it's too short in the places where you want more of it. And it's a really weird feeling to to say that. I, I've never said that about any movie, that it, it can be both too long and too short, but that feels right for this. So did Trailer Guy hurt your star rating? Um, I don't know. I mean, it's so hard to say because, I mean... Trailers are what set the expectations, but at the same time, like I may not have even been overly interested in this movie if it hadn't gotten. I mean, think if it had been publicized like Hotel Artemis, which I still haven't seen, but like I don't know for some maybe it's because it's hotels. I'm thinking of that, but you know <laughs> what I mean. Like it was just kind of inconsequential. Like I don't know if I ever really want to see that, but with El Royale, I was super hyped. So I don't know. I, I don't it, honestly. It trailer guy did not do anything wrong. He did everything right. He did He took what's in the movie. It's not like it was false advertising. Right. The problem was what I filled in the gaps with in my head, which is not like he went into the movie with thinking this is what's going to happen. It's more of just like the wonder of what could happen. Yeah. Think of all the, all yeah. the possibilities. And when it doesn't do that, you really have a hard time of rating something in terms of, is it just not what I wanted or was it just not good? And right. there's a difference. And I, I right. had to reconcile that. So no, I, I don't think that, trailer guy cost i think i got to my fair rating in the end i just i still feel like it was too long the writing didn't do enough that the ideas are there i keep getting this image in my head of like a wheel and where all the spokes connect to the outside rim you have these really good ideas but like every all the actual spokes are just crap like they could not figure out how to get the individuals out on the rim of the wheel like to to come into a hub in a nice clean way and you've got this mangled wheel I don't know. That's just what I keep seeing in my head. <laughs> so what was your favorite moment? Uh, we, I think I mentioned it earlier, but the the singing in the mirror the second time where she's clapping and timing it to the hit of Jeff Bridges trying to pry open the floor while Dakota's standing on the other side of the two-way mirror, and you're wondering if she's going to get shot or not. The problem I have with that scene is her claps were were random. No, they like, weren't. They were on beat. But she paused a lot. But they were on beat with the song. So if you knew the song, you knew when she was going to clap. She may have slowed but, up the tempo, but, but just... she she slowed the like, like she slowed at the times that were like Jeff know that she's stopping if he, right now. If and... they knew the song, then he would know <laughs> when to hit. But yeah, but I mean the practicality of it too is so dumb too because right. you're standing there. And I mean, there's no way a clap is going to overtake you hitting a thing. Plus the vibrations on the floor. I mean, there's so many wrong problems with the science behind that but and did the speaker volume bother you how loud it was yes. behind the i mean like I, wouldn't I th- every room hear that well i mean you could argue that I mean, it looked like it was concrete so like maybe it was still i just think yeah. you'd, you'd it was way too loud for what i thought would be anyway, right yeah nitpicking yep yeah <laughs> um so what uh what would you change we talked about it too it's just got to be more creative and engaging and it's got to pay off better somehow that's very broad. It is very broad, but I mean, <laughs> have a different movie. <laughs> well, no, I, I mean, I guess at the if I had to pick one, I would say I could probably live with the kind of long dialogue and whatever. But the payoff, there is no payoff in my mind. Okay, so theater or couch. I put couch. I do like the visuals of this movie, but I don't think it's something that you have to get from a theater screen. I don't think the movie was good enough to warrant going and seeing it just based on the movie quality alone. Would you pay for it though, or would it be free? No, I'd I'd wait for it to be free. 
Popcorn movie or art house film? Popcorn for sure. Oscar or Razzie? You know, as much as I had a problem with this movie, I, I don't think I could give it a Razzie. I think the visuals, the cinematography, some of the things they were doing with the Nevada, the California line, like mm -hmm. when they would take certain camera angles, the people were on one side of the room and then the other people were on the other side, really setting up like this good, bad. I think there's a lot of allegory in this movie that I think you could probably sit down and analyze and write. I mean, I can't think of it all off the top of my head, but I mean, the fact that like people are in a room with a two-way mirror and every room gets destroyed and everybody's hiding something, you know what I mean? Like there's, there's a lot of... You could probably spend some time in film class writing about all the metaphors this guy was trying sure. to say. I mean, the the Cynthia was representing kind of female empowerment. There's some racial undertones. Chris Hemsworth is overtly religious criticism. You know, there's all sorts of that stuff. So uh, it's too deep and constructed. It's weird. It's like bad puzzle pieces that are somehow constructed together in a okay way. You know what I mean? Like the assembly is fine. It's just the puzzle pieces were boring. Like, like you put together a thousand piece puzzle and it's like a picture of a white wall. Like, all right, good. <laughs> so I have a, another question before I get to your final question. Okay. Do you think that we overhyped this and ruined people's expectations? Yeah. I mean, absolutely. I mean, <laughs> Based on our well, preview. Yeah. I mean, we, I mean, if you <laughs> somehow take our opinion as meaning anything and you sit here and like, Oh, well, I mean, I've read some of Garrett Carson's reviews and listened to the podcast. I tend to agree with them, and they're thinking this is a three or five star four movie. or five star movie. I mean, yeah, maybe I need to go check this out. And then now they're like, wah, wah. but I mean, I would say the same thing that I do is I, I go out and watch trailers. I go out and I I check a few sites scores before I see a movie. And yeah, you know, sometimes if I see a score, I'm like, oh man, like uh, Joe Blow. We quote Joe Blow all the time one of the guys on Joe Blow gave this 9 out of 10. So, I mean, yeah. I mean, I was kind of like, oh, okay, well, this is good. Yeah. And then, but then there's been other times where they'll rate movies. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, he's got to take all the pieces of the puzzle together. I mean, uh, some there's going to be somebody who sees El Royale that loves it way more than us. And we have accurately hyped it for that person. <laughs> <laughs> I went full politician there. <laughs> there you go. So if you liked what, you would like this movie. Yeah, I struggled with this one. Um so I'm taking a page out of uh, out of your playbook. I said Hateful Eight, but I'm not proof of that because I liked Hateful Eight, and I don't really like this movie as much. So it's the reverse order, right? Like, I don't think if you like so if you liked this, you'd like Hateful I Eight. I think so, but I think Hateful Eight, for me, I haven't watched it again since theater, so I think it's maybe not as good as I thought, but it's very much the strangers meeting into room. We, I've said it three or four times on this podcast. This is very Tarantino-esque. Whether you want to look at Pulp Fiction, Reservoir Dogs, Hateful Eight, there's title cards that come up. The way we jump around in chronology, mm -hmm. super Tarantino influence. That felt right, but <laughs> I keep going back to Clue. Like it's like a, it's not a funny like Clue, but it's a, a darker Clue somehow combined with something like Orient Express, Murder on the Orient Express, like Smash Hateful Eight. A dark clue and murder on the Orient Express together, and that's what you get. So if you can find that movie, it's, it's and you and you it's like bad it, times at the El Royale, and you like it, <laughs> then you'll like this. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. All right. Well, that does it for bad times at the El Royale. As usual, check us out at twoviewsmovies.com, where we've got our spoiler-free written reviews. Talk to us on Facebook. But more importantly, go out to one of the podcast stores and hit subscribe and rate us and leave us a comment. We would definitely appreciate that. And we will catch you next time. Mm -hmm.